0: Welcome to Marketing Today. I'm your host, Alan Hart, managing partner of Atomic, combining brand science and creative fire. Today on the show, I have Laurel Hodge, director of creative strategy for Imager. Imager is a platform that celebrates geek culture, full of millennial men, those that are the most adverse population in today's society. But yet, somehow, Laurel has found a way to break through with advertising that works. Laurel is one of Adweek's 2016 Young Influentials, their list of game changers under 40 who has made waves in the world of media, marketing, technology, and entertainment. So, Laurel, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit, what is Imager?
1: Imager is an image sharing community that is on a mission to lift people's spirits for a few moments every day. What we do is through a democratized platform of upvotes and downvotes, we surface the world's most entertaining content. And the cool thing about Imager is that it surfaces content that isn't just within your friends' feed and the people who you follow. It is what is trending right now across the Internet, and it's what everybody thinks is interesting. So you're more likely to see stories and to see perspectives that are outside of your immediate circle and you get exposed to more interesting content. And because of the upvote and the downvote, you really only see the best if you want to. And
0: what does it mean to be the director of creative strategy there?
1: We have a new native advertising product called Promoted Posts. And what we do is we partner with brands to understand their marketing goals and help them translate their marketing messages in a creative way that will resonate with the Imager community. As you might be aware, Imager has an audience of 150 million monthly active users, and I believe 90 or sorry, 86% of them are millennial men. So they are very adverse to advertising messages. And what we do is we help brands enter this space and connect with them in a way that feels authentic and a way that they actually appreciate and enjoy. And we always think about trying to add value in our marketing messages and in our promoted posts. So what I do is I collaborate with a small team of strategists and we work closely with the client to come up with ideas that will help them be successful on our platform.
0: Now, do you work directly with the brands or are you working with agencies as well?
1: We're working with both. Uh, we have a client direct relationship with a few of our with a few of our contacts, and then we work with a number of agencies as well.
0: Well, congrats on being named the 2016 Young Influential by AdWeek. I'm curious what that means to you.
1: Well, it's a huge honor, as you can imagine, but it's also a signal that we're doing something right here at Imager. One of the things we want to do is create ads that pe- that don't suck, create ads that people don't want to block, and actually add to their experience of the content that they're consuming instead of detract from it. Being named one of Adweek's young influentials really signals to me that we're on the right path and we're doing something that is pretty cool
0: you stated a little while ago that you have 100 a little over or over 150 million active users i should say and you said most of most of them are millennials can you tell me anything else about them
1: yeah, definitely. So we actually have one of the largest concentrations of millennial men on the internet. They visit us more frequently than some of the more than some of the other social networks because we have this high concentration of millennial men. We're kind of the epicenter for geek culture interests. That's defined as above average interest in video games, science, fantasy, technology, So it turns out that we have a lot of people who are at the forefront of impacting pop culture. And what I mean by that is things that geeks were interested in 10 years ago, Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, video games, things that were previously seen as niche interests are now becoming mainstream. We're seeing that video games are making more money than the box office. And the top 10 movies at the box office right now are all kind of like geeky interest uh, themes. We have Avatar, we have fantasy, like pirates. And so it's interesting to see the way that geek culture is now impacting pop culture. We partnered with a company called Y-Pulse to get more insights around geek culture. And we learned that these millennial geeks are really influential. They're the ones who are making most of the internet's content, these viral hits. And they have the, the power to influence your brand if they are in your corner. They're extremely passionate about their interests, they write a lot of reviews, they're the people who your friends turn to when you're like, hey, I'm in the market for a new camera or a new computer, what should I buy? They go to their friend who has the most information about this topic and they ask them for their genuine perspective. But we also know they're really hard to reach. Uh, Millennial geeks are the leading users of ad blockers, and so they're extremely hard to reach. They are not interested in your marketing messages. They understand that a lot of it is what the company wants to say about themselves and not necessarily what is the most relevant fact for them. And so they filter out these messages by not subscribing to cable. They don't watch cable anymore. They block the commercials. They don't listen to the radio. They have music streaming services. And they certainly don't see any ads because they're seeing a higher rate of ad block usage among these millennial male uh, men cohorts.
0: Now, these guys, like you just described, are ad adverse, but you're developing ads for them. How does that work?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have developed an approach that treats these millennial men with respect. One thing that we want to do is we want to treat them as intelligent human beings who can see past the marketing BS. And it's kind of like marketing to a friend versus marketing to a target audience, When you remove somebody so far away from from being a whole person who doesn't like their day interrupted and doesn't like to be lied to, and you kind of keep them like far away from you, you don't really develop content that you're proud of. You develop content that hits your key brand points, and then that's it, and you hope that some people convert. So, what we're doing is we are trying to find the inherent value that each company offers and distill that into a post that is entertaining, heartwarming, and informative. If a brand can hit upon those key things and come across in an authentic way, we've seen incredible engagement and really positive comments from the group that hates advertising, arguably, more than any other demographic.
0: I think you're on to something there that all marketers might pay more attention to, not just folks they are trying to target this really adverse population. One question for you, is there, is there a way that or an example of a campaign you've developed uh, that you could talk about and maybe the, the results or what, what you're seeing with that campaign?
1: Absolutely. So eBay has been a really great partner for us. They've run an ad, or I guess they've run a promoted post every week to every other week for the past year and a half. And they have seen incredible results and incredible brand engagement with this audience. So they came to us with their goals of reaching this millennial male audience and becoming relevant with them. And what we did is we took their content, um, they sell everything under the sun, we packaged it in a way that spoke directly to our audience in the form of gifs and funny copy it wasn't it wasn't so much that we changed ebay's value proposition it wasn't that we overhauled the positioning of the brand what we did is we took content that they already had and we just made it cool the way that we do that is we employ millennials we employ people who understand internet culture, understand the references, and understand what it looks like when you're trying too hard. And that's kind of an important point that is very hard to define. And it's something that kids get inherently, where it's like, oh, mom and dad are trying too hard. But it's something that some people just don't necessarily inherently understand. I know I'm being a little bit vague with the description of trying too hard, but you can you can see it. When you look at something, you're like, yep, that just came across as completely off the mark. But when you use the language in an authentic way, and you actually provide information that people want to hear, or information that is relevant to people, then we'll see um, some really great results.
0: You talked a little bit about um, how to Talk to this audience, but I'm curious if you kind of step back and you think about just marketing in general, are there tips or advice you think marketers should, should adopt to reach more and more ad adverse populations? I think it's almost everyone now is really trying to tune out advertising.
1: Yeah, there are actually three things uh, one is localize your content. The second is always add value. And the third is respect your audience. And I'll dive into each one of those individually. For localization, we're understanding with targeting capabilities that you can't expect the same overarching marketing message to work everywhere you need to be able to hone it down and reach a specific subset of people and tap into some sort of cultural truth that is relevant to that group or that audience that you're trying to reach. And a lot of times, huge amounts of budgets are going into the overarching messaging that is made for everybody. And this is kind of one of the core tenets of marketing, that when you're trying to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. And so even if you get it down into some of the smaller segments of like, we want to reach millennials 1834, uh, skewing more heavily with females who like these certain things. If you can reach them at their communities, the places in which they're exchanging information, and you can understand what their pain points are around the certain products that they're using or the information that they're trying to exchange, you can offer a true solution, then all of a sudden your content becomes way more valuable. This takes a lot of work. This isn't something that is necessarily easy, but it's great with publishers who are now having or now offering in-house creative teams across the internet. They can help you hone your marketing messages down to the community that you are trying to target. And with Imager, every promoted post that we run, we really try to advise the brand around tailoring the content to the community. And as you can imagine, some brands are more willing to do this than others. There are some that are like, absolutely, do whatever you need to do to stay within these guardrails, and other brands aren't. The results are pretty clear in terms of the times that the community has rallied around a certain brand and really lifted them up, such as eBay, where they stop at nothing to make sure that they are adding value to our audience versus other brands who will just make sure that their overarching message gets across and they don't really invest the time to get to know the community. So that was a long, long-winded answer of the value of localization. The other part about reaching these people is thinking about adding value. Billboards, when you're driving along the highway, they don't necessarily add value to your life. Like you see something, you look at it, you're like, mm, that was dumb. Or like, I didn't quite get that. And then if something makes you chuckle for one second, you see it and you're like, oh, that was clever. Or, oh, that was something that I didn't expect. Then there's this like moment of like appreciation and then you move on. And all we're looking for is that moment of appreciation, that little click of like, hey, that was more clever than I expected. Or I learned something that I didn't necessarily know. And that takes a lot of time and that takes a lot of energy to figure out what that thing is. But if we can do it right, then we see the response And it is extraordinary. We have people begging us to continue a certain advertiser's campaign. We have people standing up in the comments and saying, whoever's behind these marketing messages deserves a raise. We have people saying, I can't believe I'm addicted to an ad campaign. These types of things don't generally happen, A, because we don't really have the signal to measure them. When you have a, an ad that runs on TV, you can do a focus group after, you can do brand lift studies, but the real-time feedback of seeing exactly what works and exactly what doesn't allows us to figure out and fine-tune um, how we can see success like this in the future. And the last point, respecting your audience, is kind of the most important point. The men that are on our site, they're well-educated, they're smart, they're clever, they're funny. And so when we're developing marketing messages for them, we have to stretch ourselves and we really have to think beyond cliches and tropes and different easy ways that we will give ourselves the excuse to push out something that isn't necessarily that great because it hits our strategy and it hits what we're trying to achieve. These men don't really want their time to be wasted and nobody does. So when we respect them and we treat them as clever and smart individuals, we can create clever and smart advertising that makes them think like, huh, that actually like wasn't a complete waste of my time.
0: I love your three tips. Um, I've been talking to a number of people recently about people remembering that ultimately what we're trying to engage with are people, you know, not, not masses, not segments to your point. Um, They're people and and people don't really care about brands, care about things that are going on in their lives. And I I think your tips hit on, you know, how do you, how do you connect with somebody that's just going along every day, not thinking about you in a way that is not disruptive, but is um, respectful, but mm. adds value. So that's I, I love it. Absolutely. Now I want to step back from Imager and, and your role there, and think about you for a minute. I mean, I'm profiling marketers like yourself, and just really curious: what fuels you? What what drives you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think ultimately what I want to do is enjoy my life. I want work and my life outside of work to complement each other. And I want to feel like when I wake up on a Monday that I am I have a purpose and I'm continuing my personal growth and the things that I want to learn and achieve in this lifetime, I kind of like down to like, it's like most simplest point. I just want to drive growth and happiness and joy in my life. I am incredibly fortunate that I wake up every day and I go to work and I work with smart, interesting, engaged people who really want to make a difference in the quality of ads. And we all have the BS that bothers us and we have the bad days and we have the good days, but it's just like the, it's the ups and downs of life. And Being able to be creative alongside other people who are funny and genuine and authentic and who can honestly point at the BS of what's going on in the industry and say, like, that's a load of garbage. Like, let's strip that away and (laughs) let's (laughs) let's think about how to reframe this in a way that just comes across as less trite and. It is this authenticity that I think drives a lot of people in their lives where they're trying to figure out what's real and what resonates with them and what isn't. And it just so happens that I'm doing it with an industry that is known for the high level of BS and it's kind of fun. It's um, a really hard (laughs) challenge and, you know, we get into disagreements with clients. We try to help them understand. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. But it is not for the weak of heart, but it's definitely something that I enjoy doing.
0: Not that I'm usually into plugging other folks, but you sound like somebody that would love read the blog from Bob Hoffman. I don't know if you've run across him yet, but I haven't. He calls himself the ad contrarian. He's kind of this Um, retired ad guy but uh, it's hilarious it's hilarious yes um, somebody somebody to check
1: out all right I'm gonna bookmark this that's great
0: talks a lot about the BS of the industry so (laughs) um, so uh, we'll enjoy that (laughs) I want to also see you know folks like yourself that are kind of out there um, in my opinion leading the pack um, I'm always curious what brands or companies you're, you're looking at or following or, or think that other people should take notice of.
1: I think that I'm always looking at up, up and coming companies that do one thing and do one thing really well. Uh, the companies that are maybe marketing a commodity, but the way in which they're marketing it is a new and fresh and interesting angle that makes people stop and pay attention. I think it is, you know, this is on everybody's radar, but Dollar Shave Club, the way that they came up in a very established industry that was highly competitive and was essentially a commodity and then made people laugh, made people share their video. Every marketer wants that. Every, Every marketer wants something that they do to go viral. It is a hallmark achievement. It's like you have made something that people genuinely want to share. But I love seeing those little bubbles, those little spikes around certain products of companies that are breaking through the norms and they are not afraid to take a risk and say something that is a little bit riskier in order to get people's attention and make them laugh.
0: Great, so last question, what do you predict for the future of marketing? Where do you think it's going?
1: I think in a hyper-distracted world, brands are going to have to work harder and harder to add value. It's something that we all say to each other, but it's very hard to actually put into practice to figure out how this piece of advertising isn't going to detract from the person's experience, or even, you know, detracting is the worst part, or it's something that they're going to ignore, that they're not going to remember. With ad blockers um, becoming more and more sophisticated, with more and more people turning away from traditional broadcast and going online, the chances of your marketing message being seen by people are lower and lower. And I know a lot of brands are scrambling and trying to figure out how do we create content that people actually care about. And so it's great to see that the native advertising industry is, I can't remember the stat, but I think it was like up 167% year um, over last year where budgets are starting to shift toward more custom content. This type of work takes sometimes larger budgets. Um, It's not as easy as turning on a banner ad and hoping that it reaches your audience in some way. But we're going to have to reimagine what a traditional ad looks like and think about how we can treat the people who are seeing these ads with the utmost respect.
0: Great advice, and I think you're right on on the future. So thank you so much for coming on the show today.